So, who had chocolate for breakfast? Yes, only one person. Oh, it's like the one day of the year. Uh, I'll let you into a little secret. Whenever we have uh, people around to the house, uh, after Easter, I'm sure a lot of you are the same, you end up with your mini eggs mugs, don't you? Or the, the cream egg mugs. And Mary hates these mugs because we've got uh, some Denby mugs that we got for our wedding that we like when we have people. And oh, ooh, fancy, isn't it? I think we've got about four left out of a set of ten. Uh, two toddlers totally does that. But anyway, our Denby mugs are the ones we give when we have people around. But what I tend to do, I'll volunteer to do the tea and coffee. Love, I'll go through and do it. And I'll bring out the Easter egg mugs and I'll go through with them. And you can see Mary's face going, oh, that, thanks so much. Oh, I'm raging with you on the inside. So, so our collection has grown by a couple today. Uh, so that's good. So if you ever come around, if I'm serving you tea and coffee, you will get an Easter egg mug. But Aside from the Easter chocolate, the bunnies, the egg hunts, the bonnets, the daffodils, the bank holiday, for all of us here this morning, it's so important that uh, we don't miss out why we celebrate Easter. As it's when, and we've been singing about it, as it's when Jesus rose victorious and defeated sin, defeated death, the enemy conquered. After uh, we have a bad day, perhaps, in our week, we would wake up the next day and we'd say, oh, today's a new day. Come on, we can do it. Yesterday might have been tough, but today's a new day. Well, I want to say this morning that it is a new day in light of what Jesus has done. It is a new day. Easter Sunday and rising from the dead brings a new day for each of us for the rest of our lives. That on the cross, Jesus died a gruesome death for us. But on the third day, he rose again. He rose again. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 24 this morning, 1 to 12. And it's a short couple of verses after Jesus had been crucified and after he had been buried. And the words will be, that was really Scottish, wasn't it? After he'd been buried. Uh, The words will be on the screen behind me and... I'm going to pray before we read God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your son. Thank you that you took sin upon yourself for us. Thank you that we live free this morning. And as we recount this event, this historic event. I pray that you will breathe life into us, that you uh, will help us remember the weight of what you went through and what that means for us. So we invite your spirit to, to come where you have been speaking to us already, Lord, whether that be through songs that we've been singing or conversations where we've maybe stepped in and we know that you're speaking to us, something's different. Will you increase that? Will, you, will your voice be ever louder? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Luke 24, let's read. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. 
In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to their living, to all and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Amen. I want to ask us a question this morning. I want to ask us, what are we on the hunt for? What are we, have we found what we're looking for? I'm not going to sing the U2 song, do not worry. But our souls and the very core of who we are yearn for a purpose. Whether we are Christians here or not uh, this morning, I want to ask us, have we found that? Are we here this morning still searching? Is there a gaping hole? And we're, we're searching time and time again. Are we constantly disappointed? And uh, there's been a few thoughts, a few people have studied and looked into the pursuit of purpose and satisfaction and what we're here for. And uh, I just want to run through one or two quotes because I like, I like my quotes, uh, for those of you that know me. A guy called Edgar Allan Poe, and this is quite a strange one, he says, the best things in life make you sweaty, which is an interesting quote. I'm a bit unsure about that, but every Sunday at church with a four-year-old and a two-year-old is very, very sweaty. Other people say this, Robert F. Kennedy, the purpose of life is to contribute in some way to making things better. A gentleman called Robert Brin says, the purpose of life is a life of purpose. And then there's this one by a man called Douglas Copeland, uh, who says this, you keep waiting for the purpose and moral of your life to become obvious, but it never does. Work, work, work. No moral, no plot, just production schedules and days. You might as well be living inside a photocopier. Your lives are all they're ever going to be. Wow, that's quite a, a sad quote, isn't it? And this Easter Sunday, Jesus wants to remind us of the hope that we have in him. What he went through for us. That this morning there is more to life how many of us, I wonder, this morning are living lives inside photocopiers where there's just that constant, similar, same old, same old? How many in our nation are living that kind of lives? You know, after reading that quote, I was sad. And I, I said out loud, not in our watch. Not in our watch. Our vision as a church is this is a place where people come alive. And there's many great churches in this city that share our heart for speaking life into people whose lives are just dry, whose who, are, who are just fed up. And as I reflect on the Gospels this morning, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and read about the accounts of Jesus, the hope that he brings, the love, the purpose, I just can't accept that living lives that are monotonous, 
living lives that are like photocopiers is what Jesus intends. There is hope in this place this morning. There is adventure in this place this morning. There is purpose in this place this morning. There is freedom here this morning. Easter teaches us that all is not lost. All is not lost. It's not lost this morning. Darkness turned to morning. There was a glorious light. He is risen. He is risen. All is not lost with our families. All is not lost with illness. All is not lost with our finances, with our future, with the worries that we're carrying, with anxiety, with depression that we're battling, with our marital problems, with alcohol. All is not lost this morning because of what Jesus did on the cross, because Jesus is alive, because the tomb lies empty. Jesus' death in battle, his victory against darkness, his rising again changes everything for us if we know and love Jesus. It changes everything. And when we begin to understand that, when we begin to live with Jesus alive in our hearts, our futures and our purpose, we find what we're looking for. Maybe some of us have been down different paths, searching all sorts of different ways again and again. He wants to change that this morning. So what does the resurrection mean for us? I want to very quickly do a quick zoom through of some things that the the resurrection means for us. Firstly, it means that a debt that was ours is paid for good. A debt that is ours is paid for good. Uh, Before I I worked for a church and before that I was a youth pastor, I used to work in a bank. So I worked for Santander and uh, it was a great job. I absolutely loved it. And there's a couple of instances, a lot of times where customers come in and they'd want to know absolutely everything to do with the bank account they're opening. You know, every little, you know, those terms and conditions, we get the forms and we sign them and we never really look at them, do we? We go, aye, aye, mate. Yeah, I'll sign there. I do that all the time. You know, you get that one or two customers, it would take about 30 minutes reading every single line. Want to know exactly what this account entailed. And it would end up your appointment would be about two hours long and your whole day would be backlogged and it would be, it would be a bit of a pain in the neck. And, uh, but then I'd look at the other side and i think, you know, quite rightly, we're at that time, we're in a time of recession. There was a lot of uncertainty. People want that security. They want to know, what exactly am I signing up for? What exactly, what happens if this happens? Or they'd have loads of questions that they just wanted to ask. And uh, because sometimes we get caught out, don't we? We get caught out maybe signing something and then we didn't realize when we tried to bring something back or we phone up about something. Oh, it'll say in section 13A, did you not look at that? You're not able to do that. You're not able to do that. We don't like getting caught out. And... uh, I want to say this morning, the debt of our sins, the bad stuff, the wrongs, the rubbish are paid for good. There's no way that we can get caught out. There's no little line in the terms and conditions. There are no terms and conditions. It's settled. We're not going to get caught out. There's no what's the catch. There's no where's the small print. There's no what happens after a year. There's no happen, there's no, what happens if I get charged again? What happens if I do that wrong again? 
Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't say all that sin from birth to today is paid, but if you sin again in the next 14 days, it's double the charge you're going to get. It's all paid this morning. It's all paid. Luke 24, 46 says, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. Our sin this morning is paid for. There is a, a rapper from London called Propaganda, and I'm not going to rap, so I've said I'm not going to sing, I'm not going to rap. Oh, maybe I should, no, I'm kidding on. Maybe I should, no, I'm kidding on. Right, he says this, we are eternally separated, and the only way to fix it is someone to die in your place, and that someone has got to be perfect, or the payment will not be permanent. God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness, his death functions as payment. He wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection, we all cheered because that meant the check cleared. Fullness, forgiveness, and free passage into the promised land. The same breath God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? So a debt that is ours is paid for good. Secondly, nothing is too big for God. So if we learn that our debt is completely paid and nothing now separates us from God, we also learn that nothing is too big for him. If God, through Jesus, can take the world and its darkness upon himself, then we have an assurance this morning that our struggles our stresses, our stumbling blocks are not too big for God. It's not like the scene in Bruce Almighty. I don't know if most of us have seen that movie where uh, he answers all people's prayers and he says yes to all of them. Have you ever seen that scene? And it's just absolute chaos, isn't it? Jeremiah 32, 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? We have, and we have seen in our testimony today that Mark shared, God is a God of miracles. He's a God of miracles. He rose again. Jesus rose again. If death couldn't hold him, what else can? Not even death could defeat him. What amazing power. What amazing power. I wonder, coming in this morning, maybe some of us have a significant problem right now that we're battling Maybe nobody else knows about it. Maybe one, per, one or two people know about it. But we know there's a stumbling block. We know there's a struggle that just isn't going away. And maybe we're limiting God's size and power because that feels to us a bit more safe or a bit more manageable. God is calling that out this Easter Sunday. Let's go to him. He wants to walk with us in that. If we look at Jesus, when Jesus was on earth and the people who approached him, the healing, the transformation, the change, we've been doing a little study in previous Sundays called Encounters with Jesus, looking at when Jesus met people, what happened. And we see time and time again that nothing and no one is beyond him. He says, come as you are, but he doesn't want to leave us like that. He meets us exactly where we are, where we're at. 
Nothing is beyond him. And the heart of his pursuit is love. It's love. So I want to ask us this morning, what have we got to lose? A bit like the Dr. Pepper advert. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen if we say to God, here's this, here's this issue. Here's this problem. Here's this thing that just keeps sticking back to me, no matter what I try in my own strength. I want you to have it this morning, God. I want to pass it to you. I want to approach you in light of the resurrection and the marvel of that, but also in the fact that that was for me and that you are eager and willing to be with me in the big and in the small and in the stuff that I just can't shake off myself. I wonder if there's a few of us here that need to do that this morning. And we're going to have an opportunity to pray at the end of the service and we'd really urge you uh, to take that opportunity. So a debt that is ours is paid. Nothing is too big for God. And then thirdly we have, we're engraved on God's hands. We're engraved on God's hands. Isaiah 49, 15 says this, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? So, if that question was put to all the mothers here this morning, I'm sure the answer would be a resounding no. Mothers can hardly put their children out of their, out of their minds at all. You know, whenever I have Joshua, I ha- we have two little boys, Joshua and Struan, and Friday is Daddy Daycare Day. And Mary occasionally, well, not occasionally, Mary always will send me a message and say, send me a wee photo. Send me a wee photo just to, just to make sure that everything's okay. <laughs> make sure I get a message back. And then as I get the message, I'll have a look behind the photo and see if the house is looking okay. See where you are. And just check, are the boys looking stressed? Struan's looking a bit hungry. Did he have his nap? (laughs) Ellen Sue's all the messages after. They're fine. They're fine. They're fine. You know, God uses this example in Isaiah to show his love for us. And actually, what he's saying is even these may forget, even mothers may forget. Not to paint mothers badly, Because if you think of a mother's love, it's so powerful, it's so fierce, that it's almost unbreakable. But the truth that we have this morning is that God's love is greater. God's love is greater this morning. Just rest on that for a moment. God's love is greater. God says this morning, I will not forget you. And a mother's love, even though it is strong, does not do God's love justice. It does not do God's love justice. He cares this morning. He cares when you're driving to work and you're wondering what on earth is the day that I'm going to have because I know the meeting that's coming up and I'm scared. He cares. He cares when we're stressing at the end of the month how are we going to pay that council tax bill. He cares when we're having a baby. He cares when we're doing the shopping. He cares when we're choosing a holiday. He cares when we're tidying the house, walking the dog, full of the flu, struggling. He cares. He cares whether we're full or whether we're empty. Isaiah 49, 16 gives a picture of his love. I have engraved you on the palm of my hands as the same way a scribe engraves onto a stone. It's permanent. There's no erasing. 
And what Jesus did being nailed to the cross shows that to bring us to the Father, he went through pain and suffering and he has the marks to prove it. What a wonderful picture of love. What a wonderful picture of God's love for every one of us. We're not forgotten. We're not forgotten this morning. A love so strong that he went through the most gruesome of deaths for you and for me and lived through it for us to live in freedom. So we're engraved on God's hands. Next, we are no longer slaves. So that defeat of death and darkness brings freedom. And that means this morning that we are no longer slaves. That as darkness and death was defeated by Jesus, it means that we're no longer held by darkness. The resurrection put an end to Satan's separation war. Satan is desperate to separate us from God. And although we'll still have battles, there'll still be stuff that'll surface, that'll try to knock us off course. We'll still have tough times. We have a truth that we are no longer slaves this morning. We have through God and his spirit a strength and a sustainer, a supernatural power to overcome, to see him, to have breakthrough, to have comfort. There's a a story in Acts 16 in the book of Acts in the Bible where two uh, men called Paul and Silas and they were traveling, sharing the good news of Jesus. And they ended up getting put in prison. And it says this, they were chained up and in verse 25 and 26, of Acts 16. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. I love that picture. That's the power of God's spirit at work. The resurrection of Jesus, like the prison story, shook the foundations of the world. It allows us to see doors open that have been shut, that we can't get open. Chains that have held us back, that we've been walking and dragging along, they're loosed, they're broken loose. That's resurrection power. Like the dry bones coming to life. I want to ask us again this morning, where have we been slaves to? Where are we slaves to that we need God's power this morning? That we need the doors to fly open? That we need breath of life to be breathed in? That we need chains to be snapped? Maybe it's around anger or fear or our thought life. The idols of money or status or pride. Let our prayer be this morning that that we ask God to break it off, that we're no longer slaves. The resurrection means freedom this morning. A new us, walking today, full of God's plans and purpose. And we should remind ourselves each day of that. This is a new day. Christ is in me. So we have we're no longer slaves. And then we have also a deployment of a master plan. A deployment of a master plan. God knows. Right now, God knows exactly where we're at. God knows exactly what we're thinking while I'm speaking. Some of you might be, when is this going to end? When is this going to finish? I need a coffee. I didn't have breakfast. I'm going to have, I hope there's some croissants left. Some of us will be going, this is good. Some of us will be thinking, God, you're speaking. You're doing something just now. 
There's something you're bringing up. There's something you're surfacing that I know I need to bring to you. Some of you will be sitting thinking, what's going on? I've never felt this before. I want to say whatever we're going through, God knows exactly what we're going through. He knows exactly what we're going through. And you know, that can be a really difficult thing to hear sometimes when we're in a really tough season. That God is in control, that he has a plan and that he is good. You know, even the disciples, the group of people that followed Jesus round, his friends, his buddies that he went and done mission with, who betrayed and doubted and ran. They ran from Jesus. They struggled with it as well. And even though Jesus spoke time and time again of fulfilling what the Father said, and countless Old Testament, in the Old Testament, speaking of what Jesus is going to do, they still struggled. But we have a reassurance that nothing surprises God, even when it surprises us this morning. I love when we have no control over a situation that God has it. I love that truth. I love that security. And a great example is John 13, 18, when Jesus predicts that one of his disciples is going to betray him. And that will lead to his death. And in verse 18, it says, this is to fulfill scripture. He who shared my bread will turn against me. Now, on that passage, there are other translations say, lifting up his heel against me. That's what one of his disciples is going to do. He's going to lift his heel up against me. And looking into that in a bit more detail, it's like a horse. If you think of a horse when they lift up a heel, it's completely unexpected. You hear stories sometimes of people being hit by horses where they just, their heel goes up really quickly and uh, it can be a bit nasty. So that's what they're meaning, lifting his, up his heel against me. But the thing is, you think of a horse, it's unexpected, it's surprising, but to God, it's totally not surprising. It's all part of the plan. It is clear that the disciples' betrayal and the plan devised by Satan even served Jesus's exaltation even served Jesus's master plan. That in this instant, the enemy's plan didn't derail, but actually served Jesus's plan. I love that, that Jesus is in control. And Easter shows us, Easter Sunday shows us that there is a plan and it doesn't stop. It continues for each one of us. That the enemy schemes, whatever the enemy tries to do to trip us up, to take us off route, to focus us on, to take a perspective away, to make a tiny thing bigger than it really is. Whatever he wants to do, there's still, it's still under God's power. God, the enemy cannot compete with it. He is above it all. What is God's plan for our lives? Do we ask that enough? Do we ask God, God, what, what have you planned? Where are you wanting me? What does the next 10 years look like? What are we looking for? There is a master plan for each one of us. Let's be asking more. And as I reflected on this, I was thinking a bit of our journey. Inverness Vineyard Church, it's nearly a year till we start, since we started Sunday services as a church. And it's, it's quite funny, it's quite overwhelming to see God's plan unwrap before us. And there's no super holy thing like formula to what's happening here. Although it's remarkable and it's exciting 
and we're seeing God do amazing things. We're seeing people come to faith. And, you know, that Easter egg hunt yesterday was incredible. It was absolutely incredible to be serving a community and to be getting to know people and just to love our city. And ultimately, what we're trying to do as a church is just try to say yes. We're just trying to say yes. When there's a little shred of a God opportunity, we're trying to go, okay, we're going to put one foot in front of the other. It's absolutely terrifying. We don't know what's going to happen, but let's just all hold hands and go for it. It's like that scene in Toy Story where they're all holding hands. No, because, no, that isn't that scene in Toy Story. Anyway, but it's just that thing of we're all in this together. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. Let's just say yes more than we say no. Has it been worth it up until this point? Absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. Is it tough sometimes? Absolutely yes. 100% yes. Would we change anything up until this point? No chance. No chance. What do we need to say yes to this morning? Where do we need to step out that little bit more? Where do we need to have a moment where we go, okay, somebody grab my hand. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. We're going to give it our best. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know where we're going to end up. But God is good. And I think it's you. So let's do it. Let's do it. His master plan involves us. We spoke about that last week. He entrusts us to love he entrusts us to share hope and to be light in a dark world. Deployment of a master plan. We're nearly there. He awakes our soul. He awakes our soul. Just want to share a couple of stories. I don't know if you have these moments where you hear stories and it just gives you those warm, fuzzy feelings and you think, yes, people are good. I want to share a couple of them uh, for this point. 200 Japanese pensioners are volunteering to tackle the nuclear crisis at the Fukushima power station in Japan. All over the age of 60, they said they should face the radiation, not the young people. Wow. A dry cleaning company in Portland sent a bus downtown and offered free suits to those who are unemployed looking for work. It's amazing, isn't it? Amazing stories. A woman, I don't know if you heard this story a couple of years back, a woman from Kenya who edited herself onto other people's holiday photos. Did anybody see this and posted them on Facebook? So she uh, wanted to go to Paris, so she got somebody's Paris photo and like, edited her, her face onto it so she could look at the photo and kind of imagine that she, she was no chance she could have got to Paris, but she used all these destinations and uh, she couldn't afford to go. And they were so badly done, these edited photos. You know, it was awful, so bad. But another businessman, a businessman who was scrolling through Facebook seen these posts and uh, gave her money to go to these places. Just absolutely, I heard a couple of, oh, isn't that brilliant? Isn't that brilliant? And one program, and I mention it, I mention it quite a lot, DIY SOS. It doesn't matter if I even catch five minutes of that program. Like, Mario, I'll come in. I, I've been out, and Mario's just sitting watching. It's the last, I don't know any of the story, but I see these people walking through a house, holding a hat, and I'm just like, ah, this is beautiful. And I see their tears, and then I'm crying. I'm just in absolute bits, absolute bits. And one of my favorites, I don't know if you remember, 
educating Essex with the story of Musharraf, a, a young student who had a speech impediment and he couldn't speak at all. He was really struggling and stuttering and uh, this teacher got him under his wing and there was this light bulb moment where he put headphones on his head. I'm going to cry now. And when he put headphones on his head with some music on, he started reciting this poem. And you need to YouTube it. It's just the most beautiful thing. And the teacher is like freezing, going, oh! and then he goes, I need to get someone. And then he runs and he goes and gets the head teacher. And there's all these teachers lined up watching Musharraf. And he's saying this poem. And then he gets to recite this poem in front of the school. And all his classmates are bawling their eyes out as well. It's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. But anyway, why am I telling you all these nice stories? Let me just see. When we hear stories like that, it does something to us, doesn't it? It does something. Something within our soul awakes. I hope. I hope it does. If it didn't, get prayer after the service. You know what? But it makes you think people can be okay, can't they? People can be good. The resurrection awakes our soul for purpose and hope. And a relationship with a loving God who wants the best for every single one of us. For a future with him. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. We are called to love others as ourselves. Jesus spoke often about this. What can we do to love others? What can we do that's radical? What can we do that's unexpected? What can we do that's sacrificial? What if Inverness Vineyard Church was the church that radically loved this city and were generous with our time, with our money, with our food, with our good deeds? What if people knew this place as a place of hope, that it was known not as Inverness Vineyard Church, but the hope center? That actually, this is a place where hope dwells. This is the heartbeat of hope for the city. That this, that this is a place where if you're struggling, you need to head over to that church. There's hope in that place. People come out of there and something happens. That God would use little old us, awake our souls to the potential of daily little deeds, daily little choices that bring light and life to our city. And if you don't know where to start or what to bring, can I suggest and encourage as a church that we bring our words that we bring our words, that we commit to as we leave here this morning, that we bring our words, we bring encouragement, that we sit out here and we say, I'm going to encourage one person a day. I'm going to send a text. I'm going to send an email. I remember uh, a couple of months ago, I was sitting, it was actually Cherry's dad I was meeting with, and it was before they were due to uh, move of us, and I was spending time with him, and he asked us, who were the three most influential people in your life? And I spoke about my dad, and I spoke about, uh, I spoke about Chuck, who was our previous pastor, and I also spoke about my old youth leader. And it wasn't anything amazing or like a light bulb moment, but the thing about my old youth leader was every time when I'd come into this youth group, he would come up to me, he would shake my hand, and he'd just ask me how I'm doing. And that was incredibly powerful as a teenager. And... What a guy said was, you should let him know. You should let him know. So uh, I thought, I should let him know. So I got his email. hadn't spoken to him about 11 years. And uh, I emailed him. And I got an email back a couple, a couple of weeks on. And it was like, 
It was like gold to him. It was like gold to him. He spoke about how he hadn't heard from much of the youth group and I was just sharing a bit about what we were doing and he couldn't believe it. And it filled him up. Who knows what God will do with that? It wasn't a big paragraph. It wasn't a big essay. It was a little paragraph just saying, you have no idea what, actually just coming up and making sure I was okay, what that did for me. And I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you. I wonder who's, who's worrying in our mind just now that we could send an email to, that we could encourage, that we could say, you know what you did for me? Thank you. Who could we encourage? Who could we encourage? So while our, when our souls awake with the resurrection and we accept Jesus, we're called to bless others, to encourage others. And then finally, he yearns for our friendship. He yearns for a friendship. He's longing for a friendship for each and every one of us to share his power, his purposes, his presence this Easter Sunday. And as we've seen with Mark's story, Jesus changes lives. And for some of us this morning, Jesus is our agony aunt and he's not our friend. For some of us, he's our 999 contact. He's not our friend. For some of us, he's the friend we were really close to 10 years ago and we don't know how to get back to the way things were. And this morning, this Easter Sunday, he wants our friendship. Maybe you're not a Christian here this morning and you know that this Jesus stuff is beginning to impact you in a way that you didn't think was possible and you maybe feel ready to take the next step. We would love to speak to you. We'd love to help you with that. C.S. Lewis says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, it's of infinite importance infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Have we found what we're looking for? And a few of you might have cottoned on. If we go to the next slide, my points make out this morning is a new day. A debt that is ours is paid. Nothing is too big for God. We are engraved on God's hands. We are no longer slaves he has, a, he has the deployment of a master plan that we are involved in. He awakes our souls and he yearns for our friendship. Why don't we stand?